Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. We're so glad you could join us before we get launched into our uh, long weekend. We've already talked about The Little Mermaid, which is the big release of the weekend, but we've got some other stuff to get into, especially uh, the latest film from Nicole Holland which we're very excited about, Christy and Alonzo. Uh, over at Patreon, of course, uh, there's so much to discuss with Ted Lasso, which is winding up its run along with The Great. Uh, but first, Christy's got news. So on Sunday, come on back because we're doing a recap of the Succession series finale. Uh, we're going to have the fantastic Dr. Romney here. She and I are going to have a quick little conversation after the show wraps up Sunday night. Very excited to see what happens. I think Cousin Greg is going to come out on top. I texted my husband to that effect at the end of season three. So I am on record I think this is going to happen. I could be totally wrong. Who knows? But it's part of the fun because it, it could go in a lot of different ways. So Sunday night after that airs, we'll have a little video up here for you to watch and enjoy. So come check that out. Dr. Romney is brilliant and she's an expert on narcissism. And so she has been doing recaps on her own YouTube channel through that perspective. A piece of news that broke, a sad piece of news that broke while we were doing our live stream on Wednesday, and that is the death of Tina Turner. Yep. Very, very sad. 83 years old, um, a stroke, I understand, and some kidney complications. Uh, yeah, I had not really, I've, I had not had a chance to dig back into the, the more updated uh, stories, so I don't, I don't know what's happening there. But, you know, 83 is a good run. Yeah, she died at her home in Switzerland. She had lived there for many years. She actually got rid of her U.S. citizenship and became a, a Resident, resident of Switzerland several years ago and found like decades earlier that, you know, it was just, she enjoyed that life better. She was a bigger star in Europe huh. and was just adored and, and beloved there and found that like fame was fleeting in U the United States in a way that it was not for her in Europe. Um, just legendary, of course, as a performer. I mean, just electrifying, so influential, had you know a huge comeback in the 80s with the Private Dancer album and just um, endured a lot throughout the course of her life and, and a survivor of so much, so much abuse and so much pain um, to come out on top and, and really thrive. Um, there was a documentary that we reviewed a couple years ago. It's on HBO Max or whatever you oh, want to call it these Max. days. We'll talk yes. about Max later on today. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a, it's called Tina, and that's yeah. very good. Of course, memorialized by Angela Bassett in What's Love Got to Do With It. She was, of course, in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Mm -hmm. We don't need another hero. All we and, need is Tina. And Tommy. Right. Yes, she was in Tommy. That is yes. true. So. And I read in one of the obits that she was up for a role in the color purple. Oh, wow. But did not want to, uh, she said she had lived abuse and did not want to portray it on screen. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, well, I thought one of the most interesting things about the documentary was how people, when she, ha she makes her comeback, you know, she's, she's on, she's back on top, she's topping the charts and all anybody wants to talk about is ike and yeah. the abuse and so she writes an entire book about it she writes her whole life story i tina it's like oh like here it is you don't have to ask me about this anymore I, it's on paper you can you can you know mm -hmm. reference it and they would still bring it up of course. in interviews it's like oh man yeah. so yeah anyway she yeah she's she survived a lot of crap and um you know uh came out on top and and uh, uh you know did it all did it on her own terms and and so yeah she she will uh she will be uh, an immortal i think in in the, the pantheon of, of music 
For sure. Um, the Ryers Guild strike continues. Mm-hmm. We are what, like in our fourth week now? Uh, yeah, fourth or fifth. Uh, Im- important news, by the way, if you're a WGA card-holding member in Los Angeles, Drew Carey will buy you a meal at Bob's Big Boy in Burbank or Swingers <laughs> in Los Angeles, tip included, show your card for the duration of the strike. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yes. Good for you, Drew Carey. That is that is great. Yeah. So we're seeing now that it's been going on for so long that a lot of productions are being affected by this. And so just this week, three different Marvel productions, mm-hmm. although Blade may already have been stopped, but this week we learned that Thunderbolts, the Marvel movie Thunderbolts, mm-hmm. which is like Yelena and Bucky and Harrison Ford as Thunderbolt Ross and the Steven Yeun and Valentina, like yes. all of them, that was supposed to come out in July of 24 and that who knows um also the tv series wonder man mm. which destin daniel cretton was doing with yaya abdul mateen the second did you know oh, that wow. uh, i had heard about that and i'm a big fan of that character in the comic so yeah I, I i think the studios have probably already lost more money in delays and whatnot than the guild wanted in the first place you know but i i think now it just becomes this you know the pissing contest that these things always have to become Another event, too, um, we have the Ted Lasso finale coming next week. There was going to be an event at the Academy mm-hmm. where they were going to have, like, pretty much everyone, the entire cast, except for Brett Goldstein, but, like, everyone's just Jason Sudeikis and Hannah Waddingham and, like, name a person on that show that were going to be there to air the finale and uh, do a talk. That has been canceled, understandably. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to cross any line. and Sure. You know, Jason Sudeikis has been out there picketing himself. He is, of course, a member of the Writers Guild, besides being a SAG member. And then that's the next thing, is that SAG is negotiating, right? There's also the threat of a SAG strike. Uh, Yeah, the SAG board has approved to have the the membership vote on whether or not they go on strike. Uh, and apparently there seems to be a lot of there there's a lot of overlap between what mm-hmm. the writers guild is fighting for and what sag wants and so it is quite likely that we may see that membership also decide to strike which would really shut it all down i mean there are still a few things that are out there shooting because like the scripts are done and we had them banked and you know as long as nobody pickets or people don't cross line whatever that we can still get these last few days of the show in but if sag strikes forget it like everything stops we just don't need an entire city full of out-of-work actors. It, yeah, it can't be good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, this, you don't really get a table for brunch anywhere. It's just going to be, it's going to be a mess. So uh, I hope that they can all, you know, figure it out. But they are in solidarity, all yeah. of these folks, it seems. Um, Max launched. Don't call it HBO Max anymore. It's now just Max. And it was a bit of a cluster off the top. Like, I have just found that trying to find stuff on there yeah. is not that easy to navigate. I mean, HBO Max wasn't like a, a, a great example of how to mm-hmm. work one of those sites. Like they had a very fussy, messy homepage. So I haven't used it a lot. I went and I watched the Donna Summer documentary, which I looked up by spelling. Um, but that should be like the first thing you see, right? Like that should be one of their main little boxes. You would, yeah, you would think, but right? it was not, even though, yeah, just it just dropped on actual HBO like within the last week. Um, I had heard early on that they had gotten rid of the TCM and like DC tabs, but I, they were there when I went on. So I guess they fixed that. There was that whole, did we already talk about the creators nonsense? We did briefly. Yeah. So when it first launched as Max, they were lumping in 
anybody who worked on the film as yeah. creators and so Writers, like directors on, and producers yeah. right like on the raging bull page for example like it's a bunch of people's names somewhere in there is scorsese somewhere in there is paul schrader yeah <laughs> and there are actual contractual things about this mm-hmm. it's like they can't even decide eh whatever it's like no that the the writers guild who is currently striking it says in their contract that you right. have to you know give them their own line delineate yes you and you <laughs> exactly. and i are also creators you and you and me as corsese paul sure. Schrader. we have Why so much not? in common of course. so they have since yes they have since changed that and they phrase the explanation of it in a very felicitous way oopsie <laughs> so um so that is out there have you guys noticed a difference in Max versus HBO Max? Let us know. Are you like less inclined to watch stuff on there? Do the, you not the, care? You'll the, find the, it. The fact that they couldn't figure out how to just let people use the HBO Max thing they already had on their TV, you know, like the, you, you basically have to you have to get rid of that and download this new one. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure for a lot of people, that's a pain in the ass. It probably moves it way down on the menu if you have like a Roku or an Apple TV. Yeah. Um, and, and it just uh, they, like, you know, my my TV came with buttons for like Netflix and Hulu. I've been re- I was reading that some people have like an HBO Max button on their remote, which now is worthless. Oh, right. I won't acknowledge that anymore. Yeah. What is this HBO Max you speak of? <laughs> so uh, let us know how that is going for you. Uh, Netflix has acquired Todd Haynes' film May, December, starring Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Yes. That could uh, be interesting. I'm excited about it. I don't know a ton about that movie. I've been trying to avoid reading the reviews, but uh, you know, Todd Haynes is one of my my favorite living filmmakers. And while you know Netflix can be a giant pain in the ass, uh, I, I suspect that a big uh, acquisition out of Cannes means this is going to be one of the movies they actually like put in theaters and really you know uh, uh, throw their weight behind, as opposed to like oh Apollo Ten and a Half, which they mm-hmm. you know didn't do squat for. Um, but yeah, I mean every year there's like a handful of movies. There are Romas and there are, you know Don't Look Ups or whatever. The Power of the Dog. Power of the Dog, exactly. Mm-hmm. That they really like do the traditional legwork to get it to an audience and to get it awards attention. And so I'm hoping that's what they're yes. Gonna do this We'll review that when it comes out. And then the Brady Bunch house is on the market. If you have $5.5 million lying around, you too can live in the five-bed, five-bath, 50-something hundred square foot house that they they shot the exteriors for. So here's the deal with this. It's it's a house in North Hollywood. It's what the exterior of the Brady Bunch house is. But then like over the last year or so, there's been this whole big HGTV renovation where they like they made the insides match the outsides. And it's like the (laughs) the property brothers and actual members of the Brady Bunch cast all did it. So when you look inside of it, like it's uncanny. Yeah. Like it's all the same furniture. It's like the kitty cat poster in the girl's bedroom. <laughs> all of it's the same. Um, but you are spending $5.5 million to live in North Hollywood, like over a thousand dollars a square foot. If I had that kind of money, that is not what I would spend it on. But okay. But this is, it's history. No one is buying the house because they want to live in, in North Hollywood. You know, they, it, it, the Brady Bunch house is the Brady Bunch house. I watched every second of that show, by the mm-hmm. way, when they, when they redid it and they couldn't do it exactly. Because, like, the parameters of the fake house, you couldn't, like, like the, the house isn't tall enough to accommodate, like, 
they they had to they had to shave down the number of steps on the staircase for the whole second floor because it wasn't tall of like there was all these things they had to sort of like fudge a bit and kind of put things out or back or whatever but yeah i mean they they did go through and like that you know that cab that kitchen has like the orange and green yep. you know cabinets there's that i assume if you buy the house you do get the horse statue uh in the living room i would insist upon that certainly and the uh, i guess the backyard is probably astroturfed i don't know i it's i hope somebody like turns it into a museum or something because it's like it just it's it's such a weird kitsch artifact at this point i would like for it to sort of you know remain as is the thing is like if you are an actual person who wants to live in the brady branch house with your family you're gonna have fools traipsing through your front yard every single day for the rest of your life i mean i have a mom friend who lives in the house that was the exterior for happy days oh wow and so she gets that too. People knock on her door. Like, oh, yeah. who wants I, that? I'm very close to the Nightmare on Elm Street house. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I, I get it. it. It does become a thing. And you either have to have a sense of humor about it or you, like the previous owners of the Brady Bunch house, like change the facade mm-hmm. so it doesn't look as much like it did on the show. But, yeah, I think by this point, like, you pretty much have to understand that you are buying a monument. And, you know, like, and I don't know how that works in a residential area to, like, just turn it into a tourist site, but that's really what it should be. I'm sure the neighbors are going to be thrilled. Oh, no doubt, of course. (laughs) Christy? Yes. Christy? Yes. You hurt my feelings. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to. You know what you did. (laughs) This is a really great movie. It's called You Hurt My Feelings. This is the latest from Nicole Hall of Center. So, of course, whenever she does a film, we will always talk about it here. Um, We'd love to have you subscribe if you have not yet. It is a summer of big blockbusters and noisy stuff, but we will always find the the cool, smaller art house fair for you. So come and hang out with us. We'd love to see you. Yeah, this is uh, Nicole Hall of Center once again displaying just an impeccable ear for dialogue. You know, the things that people say, the things we wish we'd said, the things we'd (laughs) like to take back. All the above. And they all come together in her latest film, You Hurt My Feelings. Julia Louis-Dreyfus stars as a novelist and a professor at the New School in New York City. And she has made a name for herself with her memoir, but now she's written a fiction book. And she's waiting to hear back from her agent about it. And she's very anxious about it. It's... You know, it's a vulnerable thing and she's just twisting and wondering what's happening. And uh, one day she overhears her husband, who's a therapist played by Tobias Menzies. She overhears him saying that her new book is terrible. And she's re- he read like 20 drafts of it and it's just not getting any better. And he doesn't know how to tell her. And she's understandably so crushed and just devastated because he's been telling her all along how much he likes it right right he's he's not been truthful with her of course and so it's this really like smart and sharp and observant exploration of like the little lies we tell each other right and why like what harm could it do it's just easier you know we we all do it all the time you know maybe supportive a friend has made dinner for you or you get a gift and you're like oh it's great or like oh no your jeans don't your your butt doesn't look big in those jeans you look great (laughs) and so it's all about the lies we tell each other in the name of kindness and trying to be supportive and maybe just wanting to avoid the awkwardness of confrontation there's a whole bunch of reasons and um it's just, it's so funny and so true, like so many of her films are, but really this is like her, her best movie 
in a while, I would say, and it reteams her with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and they worked together, of course, a decade ago on Enough Said, which was, I think it was not, if not the last, one of the last James Gandolfini films. Yeah. And she brings out in Julia Louis-Dreyfus, like, this vulnerability and this dramatic side that we really don't ever see anywhere else. Like, they're really on one another's wavelength. Yeah. And uh, you you really feel the raw emotion of how crushed she is when, you know, the man she's loved that she's trusted for decades, like, everything gets upended and she doesn't know how to exist in the world anymore. Um, it feels like a, a very small kind of specific intimate story, but the themes she explores here are so universal and so relatable. And it's this like murderer's row of supporting players from Michaela Watkins to Aria Moyed to Jeannie Berlin to various other people who have been on succession at some point or another. Um, it's great. It's really, really great. David Cross and Amber Tamblyn. Oh, yeah, a, t- t- do that. Explain <laughs> that part. That part's great. So there are a couple that are that are clients of Tobias Menzies as a therapist, and the more that they go, the less they feel like they're getting out of it, and and, and it, it, which goes in a very funny way that I won't give away. But uh, yeah, they they find themselves annoyed with each other but then the thing that kind of brings them together in a way is they're both annoyed with him for not fixing them and not making their relationship better yeah this movie i think really hits upon again like it's this very specific set of circumstances but that you can extrapolate that almost anybody can relate to if you're Mm -hmm. in a relationship you are there is the potential to be lying about something for all the right reasons for all the kindest reasons you know I mean, like Dave and I went and saw this last night and he's like, mm-hmm. I always tell you when I hate what you've written. I'm like, yes, you do. And I appreciate that. You know, he's a very tough editor and, and that's, that's a good thing for me. Uh, so I know he's never held back. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that it, it just kind of touches upon the way of like, how much, how much, how honest is too honest? And like, at what point do you just sort of acknowledge things and, and, and decide, you know what? Uh, let's stop lying to each other about this, that, or the other thing. And let's just sort of, you know, move forward in a way. Yeah. I, I, I remember at one point saying, you know, because for a while there, like Hall of Center's films were coming out, you know, with like big gaps between them. And she was like seven years. Yeah. She'd mm-hmm. be doing TV or other stuff. And I was like, in a just world, like there would be an annual Nicole Hall of Center movie, the way there's like a, <laughs> an annual Woody Allen movie. You know, yeah. she is so smart and so observant and empathetic. And I just I love her films so much. They don't sound like anybody else's movies. They don't move like anybody else's movies. And they and, and as much as they're about like intellectual New Yorkers, generally speaking, like they are about these themes that are very relatable and, and they're very funny. Yeah, I, I I do also see the Woody Allen comparison in that it occupies this kind of rarefied intellectual, like literary artsy yeah. nook of New York City, you know, like public radio tote bags, you know, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. And it's very specific, but I feel like there's a a kindness at the heart of her films yeah. that does not exist in Woody Allen's films. It's, it's not mocking of these people. It's like wanting to explore their deep, relatable truths. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think even like in a movie like Please Give, for example, where it's like, you know, let's let's talk about where people's compassion can still like get them into trouble or still be sort of selfish at the heart of it. But it never feels like she's out to get anybody. It just sort of feels like she's out to kind of expose these layers of humanity that mm-hmm. that people have and that we can all relate to and, and we can share that way. And, and that's what I think what makes her movie so terrific. 
it's a great conversation movie. It'd be a great date movie, right? Because mm, yeah. the, the go have coffee afterward, go have dinner afterward. And, you know, you could talk about this endlessly and we can all tell ourselves like, oh, I'd want the brutal honesty, <laughs> you know, but being creative is such a vulnerable place to be. This also explores that notion where like you put yourself out there, you make yourself so vulnerable, whether you're a writer, you're an actor, whatever it is you're doing. Michaela Watkins is an interior designer. There's a whole running subplot mm -hmm. with her and one of her clients that's very funny and taps into that same idea of like, is it a good idea to be honest? It explores different kinds of conversations and like being too blunt like the David Cross and Amber Tamlin characters is probably not the right answer. Right. Being passive aggressive like Jeannie Berlin who plays their mom is not the good answer. Like somewhere in the middle of it is, but seeing how everyone exists in these different realms um, is endlessly funny yeah, and sad. And, and I, th I think if there's anything that's sort of specific about it that that has to do with being a, a creative person, it's that it's hard to not take criticism of your creation like criticism of you, you know. And so when you know if you're an if you're a memoirist or a novelist and you're you're having this thing that's so personal and mm -hmm. th that's so close to to your heart and your soul, you know, and people tell you it sucks or or people have you know like start picking at it, it it's hard to not feel like they're picking at you you know and 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 certainly for the actors i'd say it's very much the same thing um you know and and so yeah it, it does become that that kind of conversation like i love at one point you know the the, the husband says like you know you always tell me i'm a great therapist says, yes he goes how would you know <laughs> <laughs> Right. We, we we want the best for people that we love, right? Exactly. So anyway, this is excellent. I'm saying nine. Uh, 9.2. Yeah, this is yeah. definitely a, a best of the year contender for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah and it's, it's A24. So hopefully it will get to where you are. And if not now, soon. Uh, but yeah, look for it. It's really terrific. If anything, it's too short. I oh I please that could have been this could have been an eight episode series. With right. Characters. <laughs> I would love to spend that kind of time with them. Enjoy. Thanks, everybody, for joining us once again. Always a treat uh, to spend time with you. We will be back on Tuesday with more stuff. Uh, so we'll check in with you at the end of this holiday weekend. In the meantime, follow us all at BeFast All Day on the social media. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash BeFast All Day. And until we meet again, take care of yourselves and each other. We'll see you then. Bye. See you soon. Bye.